Thank you for tuning into The World Game, a World Cup podcast. The podcast that will have everything you need to know about the World Cup. There will be recap episodes throughout the tournament, so you won't miss a storyline. Maybe there was a 90th minute game winning goal. Maybe there was some controversy. Either way, we'll dive right into it. My name is Peter Roman. I've loved football all my life, and thanks for joining me on this journey. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to just once again mention the migrant worker situation and how horrifying it was that thousands of people died in building the infrastructure for a World Cup. So my heart goes out to the victims and their families. There was also an incident with two journalists that have passed away in Qatar. And if you want to know my thoughts about that, just listen to the previous episode, episode 12, the quarterfinal recap number two. I have my thoughts there if you want to listen to them. All right, now on to the episode. Today's episode won't be super long, but it will be very important. It is my semi-final preview. We're down to the final four teams at the World Cup, and I'm so excited for everything to get going. This is... This is where legacies, this is where stories, where history, where everything is made, is in the semifinals and the final. For most of the players that will be competing in the semifinals, this is the biggest game of their life. And that's not an exaggeration. There's a lot of French players that, you know, the World Cup final in 2018 was a bigger moment for them. For Leo Messi, the 2014 final right now was a bigger game. For him but for most of the players competing this is the biggest game of their life and so should be exciting to see how it goes but anyways I'm gonna start with the Tuesday game the Tuesday semi-final between Argentina and Croatia so maybe not the semi-final everyone was expecting but we have the 2018 runners-up and we have Argentina one of the tournament favorites and the South American champions so, when I break down this game, Argentina absolutely are the favorites, and they should be the favorites. I don't know if they've played the best football in this tournament as a team, but they've certainly played better football, in my opinion, than Croatia has. Croatia, to me, have gotten quite a bit of fortune on their side. They really didn't deserve to beat Brazil. But, as I talked about a lot with Croatia, they're a very resilient team, and they're a team that finds ways to win games, which is an important trait, right? When you have an experienced team with players that have played in big games, they know how to win games and they know how to do the little things that help you win. For Croatia, obviously everything around the team revolves around the midfield. The midfield is the key to everything for their team. And they're gonna be relied upon very heavily in this game. It'll be kind of a three on three matchup. I would expect Argentina to keep the three man midfield that they've used throughout the tournament. And so DePaul, McAllister, and Fernandez will likely be going up against Brozovic, Kovacic, and Modric. I'd be surprised if either team made any changes to that. So that will be really important, that battle in the midfield. Croatia, I think, have better players in the midfield. But of course, the Argentina players, I think, have performed generally pretty well at this tournament. And so if they can you know, perform up to the level they have been, they'll at least give Croatia a bit of a fight in that midfield. And then for Argentina, the notable thing to keep in mind is just 
Suspensions, they have a few. Both Acuna and Montiel are both suspended for Argentina, so that pretty much, you know, guarantees who's getting selected at the fullback positions. So there's not going to be too much mystery there with those two missing out in the game. And then the other notable for them is just Angel Di Maria. He did come on late in the game, but I wonder if he gets the start this time. Maybe he'll be fully fit in time for this Croatia game. Something to keep an eye on. Di Maria is a player that I think could be an absolute difference maker for Argentina. But it remains to be seen if he can play in this game at all. For Croatia, they have no suspensions, so they should have a full team ready to go. The yellow cards, by the way, wipe out after the quarterfinals, so the players shouldn't have to worry about missing the final unless you get a red card in the semifinal game. Otherwise, they should be good to go. Getting a yellow card in the semifinal is not a big deal. If you get two of them, that's a bigger deal. But it's just important little side notes to keep in mind. So back to the game. Croatia have had some trouble scoring goals in this tournament outside of the one game against Canada. So if they're going to score against this Argentina team, Ivan Perisic, again, very important player to keep an eye on. And then Kramaric, he's a player that really, I think, needs to play better for them. And, you know, maybe they can get Petkovic to come off the bench and play well like he did against Brazil, but I don't know if that's necessarily a guarantee. Although, playing long balls into the box seemed to work for the Netherlands, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was the strategy Croatia went to in this game if they go down a goal, which Croatia tend to go down a goal and then score to tie it. So that is a very real possibility in this game. For Argentina, I'm curious to see who they start at striker. Alvarez has started the last few games alongside Lionel Messi, but Alvarez, to me, hasn't played super well the last two games. Like He's been okay, but like nothing special. I wonder if they would go back to Lautaro Martinez, or maybe, maybe they wouldn't. They, Lautaro hasn't been very good either, but there's a little bit of a question mark to me as to who you start alongside Lionel Messi, who, of course, is going to start every single game. So a couple things about this game that I want to add. The first one being Messi's legacy. Messi's legacy is very big and complicated, and I'm going to talk about it on a future episode after the tournament's over. Not really something I want to talk about right now because I don't think it's appropriate. I want to wait and see what happens in this tournament. But Lionel Messi, what I will say about him is that what he's done in this tournament this year is very positive for his legacy. Messi, before this year, he had a bit of a reputation of not playing well in World Cup knockout games. And that was fair based on the evidence that was presented. He has been great in both so far. Against Australia, he was great. Against the Netherlands, he was great. Obviously, you know, he's, he has two more games to go, and he could potentially be a World Cup champion. But he has already helped dispel some of the narratives about him, which I think is a good thing. And now the question is just how great can he be in this semifinal game and potentially help lead his country back to the final? They haven't been to the final since 2014, and this team is very different. There aren't really any holdovers from that 2014 team that he helped lead to the final versus the team he has right now, where he's been like infinitely better. Lionel Messi won the golden ball for the player of the tournament in 2014, completely undeserved. It should have gone to James Rodriguez, but... He's been way better this time. Messi's performances at this World Cup have been way better than what he did in 2014. And to me, based on the way his semifinal went, or sorry, the way his quarterfinal went, my apologies, 
I think he's level with Kylian Mbappe as far as who should win the golden ball for this tournament. And he rightfully deserves to be in that conversation this time. As opposed to the last time where I felt FIFA just gave it to him because I felt sorry for him. Because James was clearly the best player and it wasn't close. But anyways. The other note I want to make about this game is just the the amount of minutes these guys have played. The Croatian players have gone to extra time twice and penalty kicks. Twice. At some point, you know, just human nature, like, that has to take a toll playing the extra hour that they have in this tournament more than most teams. Argentina had to go the distance with the Netherlands in a very emotional game, and sometimes when you play very long emotional games like they did against the Dutch, sometimes there's a bit of a letdown. So those will be interesting things to keep an eye on. But anyways, should be a good game. I think it'll probably be low scoring. It's my best guess on it anyways. A little hard to tell, but I would pick Argentina if I had to pick just because I think they've been the better team throughout the tournament. But the Croatians, I think, have a very realistic path to victory, and I don't think they'll get dominated the same way they were against Brazil. Brazil completely dominated the Croatians throughout the game. I think Argentina is a little more beatable for them just based on the way Argentina play, but ultimately, you know, this will probably come down to a few moments, and at least so far in this tournament, Lionel Messi has been money at producing big moments for his country. So, Argentina-Croatia should be a good one. Can't wait to watch. That's the semifinal on Tuesday, and then we have the other semifinal on Wednesday, Morocco versus France. For Morocco versus France, I think the biggest thing to keep an eye on in this game has to be the Moroccan injury count. Shadira is suspended because of the two yellow cards he got in the quarterfinal against Portugal, and their defense is a little light. Of course, they had two of their starters missing against Portugal, and then Saiz, their captain and their best center back, went out stretchered off with an injury. So, we'll keep an eye on the injury reports, because that'll be really important. If they have their starters, I think Morocco has a much better chance of being able to contain the French attack versus if they have to play the backups. And that, in that case, it'll be a lot more difficult for them to do so. France, though, are a different animal, despite how talented Portugal is. Trying to contain the French attack has been very difficult for any team over the last several years, and Morocco, they're not going to be an exception to this. It'll be very difficult for them. They will have to defend very similarly to the way they did against Portugal with very few mistakes. Replicating that performance will be very difficult, but it's one that if they can do it, they'll be, you know... They've already made history, but, like, they'll become the best non-European or South American team ever. And they have a chance to make the kind of history that makes others start to really believe in themselves. Like, other countries will start to think, we can do this too. So, Morocco are carrying a lot of flags with them. They're carrying their own flag, of course. But they're carrying the flag of the continent of Africa. And they're carrying the flag of the Arab world. Because they're basically you know, going through glass ceilings in a lot of ways. And it's really cool because I think Morocco, they're the best story. Morocco is the best story of the 2022 World Cup by making the semifinals. And so now, can they go one step further? Well, it's going to be really hard, as I've mentioned already a little bit. Obviously, for Morocco to win the game, in addition to the defense, the right-hand side, it's Hakimi and it's Ziyech, and they got to do damage. I will be very curious, though, to see if they deploy Hakimi the same way England deployed Walker. 
Because if they deploy Hakimi solely to stop Kylian Mbappe, then they're not going to have his presence going forward. And in my opinion, I don't know if I want to take that risk because while, yes, you will be helping your defense if you man-mark Mbappe manually with Hakimi, I also think that Hakimi's contributions going forward are really, really important. And his link-up with Ziyech is so important to the attack that I don't know if I'd want to lose that even if it gives you a better chance to keep one player off the scoreboard. That'll be an interesting decision for their coach in this game, alongside, you know, what they do in defense, of course. And then the midfield, to me, I think they'll probably just play the same midfield they did against Portugal. I think they all played really well. Amrabat will be really important trying to deal with Antoine Griezmann, because Griezmann loves, like, floating around kind of in the midfield to attack area. And so Amrabat, I would imagine would see most of the assignment on dealing with Antoine Griezmann in this game. So that will be a very important and key matchup to keep an eye on. Obviously, if Amrabat can keep Griezmann at bay, that helps neutralize a lot of the French attack. So that'll be something interesting to keep an eye on in this game, the Amrabat and Griezmann matchup that I imagine will happen in this game. Then, going forward as well, Buffal, I think, is an important player in this game for Morocco, especially because he has to go up you know, to a large extent, like he has to carry the load on that left-hand side. And if Hakimi's going to stay back and Ziyech isn't going to be quite as effective, Buffal will be leaned upon a lot, especially because Koundé isn't the fastest. He, he's a pretty fast player, but he's a center back. He's not a fullback naturally. And so that matchup on the left-hand side of Morocco and the right-hand side of France, I think is something that they could go after if they want to. Buffal has you know, undressed a lot of defenders in this tournament. And so Kunde, I think, has played pretty well at that right-back spot. But like I said, the speed thing could be an issue. So that will be another matchup that I think could be important in this game. For France, they come in as the favorites. And they should be the favorites. They've probably been the best team in this tournament. They play really well. They have great players. England were able to get the better of them for large stretches in that quarterfinal game. But Morocco doesn't have the same quality of players that England has, at least in my opinion. Morocco will likely have to defend a lot more. So France will have a lot of the ball in this game. They will have more possession than Morocco will. It's just a question of whether or not they can make the possession count. To date in this tournament, when France has played the teams that defend, you know, really deep, they've had, some, they've had a lot of success going up against those teams. It's a question of whether or not they can keep it going. My only other note for this game is... Usman Dembele. Dembele, I think, is a really important player in this game because if Maserawi can't go for this Moroccan team, Dembele has to be the one terrorizing on that side of the field. If he isn't, that could be an issue for France because they won't get the attacking opportunities that they maybe want to have. Fortunately, they have a good bench to turn to if that's the case. But Usman Dembele, to me, has been a little bit underwhelming in this tournament. He's had good moments but he hasn't had enough of those consistently throughout the game. This is a game where he will likely have a favorable matchup on his side of the field. And I know Dembele is asked to do a lot in this French team because Kylian Mbappe doesn't really track back and play defense, so he has to be the one tracking back and providing support. But this is a game where Dembele could shine. And Dembele hasn't had a game where he's really shown yet. So this could be the one for him. This could be the one for France. And if it is, they're probably going to the final. So just to finish up my thoughts about this game, 
you know, it's going to be a tall ask for Morocco. It's going to be a very tough game for them. But the Portugal game was tough for them. The Spain game was tough for them. The Belgium game was tough for them. The Canada game was tough for them. The Croatia game was tough for them. They're used to this. There is no, like, oh, Morocco, like, what an underdog. What a, like, you know, they have no chance. No, they have a real chance. Morocco have an absolute real chance to win this game. And I'm very excited because I really want them to win. They're the better story. France will be tough. France are the defending champions. They're the, they're the defending champions for a reason. But Morocco is a team that can do it. And if they believe the way that they should believe that they can win this game, they could absolutely make history. And there's absolutely no doubt about it. For France, though, if they play their game and if they play up to the level that they are capable of, they really should be able to win this game and they should be going back to the final for the second time in a row. So that will be fun. This is a little bit of a David versus Goliath semifinal, but regardless, I'm excited for this game. Morocco versus France goes on Wednesday, so this will be the second semifinal. And then the final, of course, will be on Sunday. The World Cup final, man, that's... There, there's a lot of just great outcomes from this. And so before I end the episode today, I just want to talk about the potential finals and the storylines going into those finals. So if both favorites win, Argentina and France, that game, in my opinion anyways will have the most legacy-defining moments in them. Because you have Kylian Mbappe, who could potentially become like a top 15 player already if he wins the tournament and is a you know contributing factor in the final and the semifinal to doing so. I mean, that's huge legacy-defining moment for Kylian Mbappe if he's able to get to the final and win. And obviously playing Argentina, Lionel Messi trying to, you know, firmly put his hand on the GOAT argument, and at least in my opinion, for some people, it would cement the GOAT argument. For me, and again, I'll talk about this more, if Messi wins this tournament and he's a significant player in winning the tournament, I think he at least has a very, very legitimate case in the GOAT argument for the greatest of all time. If the final ends up being Croatia versus France, it would be a rematch. And we haven't had a rematch final at the World Cup since Argentina and Germany in 1986 and then again in 1990. In 86, Argentina won. In 1990, Germany won. So could Croatia get their revenge and do what Germany did a few decades ago? That will be the question in that game, the big storyline. Of course, if Morocco make it, the storylines write themselves as far as the history being made already. But Morocco versus Argentina, you get... You know, the kind of an ultimate like underdog story versus, you know, the team that's supposed to be a titan killer, right? And all that. If it ends up being Morocco-Croatia, though, Morocco-Croatia as a final would be super unprecedented because these are two teams that weren't expected to get to the final by most. And so it would be kind of a really cool moment because in addition to this being a very underdog type of story, it would also guarantee that we get a new World Cup winner. Croatia have never won before. Morocco have never won before. So we would have a new World Cup winner guaranteed if it's Morocco versus Croatia in the final. So I think every final has great, you know, storylines written all over it. So I'm really excited. 
and I can't wait to see how these semifinals go. I will have my semifinal recaps after the games, and then I'll have my final preview sometime probably Friday or Saturday, just before the final kicks off on Sunday. And no, I'm not going to talk about the third place game. The third place game to me is mostly pointless. So no, I will not talk about that game. Whoever wins it, congrats. You get a medal, I guess. But like the third place game doesn't mean anything, at least not to me. So that's it. That's all I got for my semifinal preview. Games kick off Tuesday and Wednesday. Can't wait. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The World Game, a World Cup podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I will be doing reaction episodes throughout the tournament. The music is from Pixabay. The whole thing gets going on November 20th, so make sure you subscribe and don't miss a moment of the 2022 World Cup.